Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. In the corsetry salon at Rendles of Karangahabi Road, women who need extra figure control will find an excellent range of Burley's high-waisted girdles. My heels are killing me. Hello, I'm Sonia Sly, and in this episode we go down under to your drawers, or so they used to be called. I'll be catching up with lingerie designer Chloe Julian, but first... And above the waist panel, smooths away ugly spare tyres, finds down the waist without unkind pressure. Rendell's had this Donnell garment... I don't know about you, but I'm pleased that times have changed since this 1950s Rendell's Burley ad. For one, no advertiser would ever get away with that kind of language today, thankfully. And two, the role of underwear has transformed since that time. It's no longer something that's necessarily hidden. And on that note, I headed to Te Papa Museum in Wellington to get the lowdown on how underwear has made its transition to, well, outerwear. In history, there's always been moments where women's underwear starts to peek out over outerwear. And this is curator Stephanie Gibson. I think women have quite a hard task sometimes with their wardrobes because, you know, in the 19th century, everything was hidden under the outer garment. So you wore the most hilarious amount of layers. You could have six petticoats, you could have a crinoline, a bustle, a corset. I'm hot and bothered just thinking about it and the weight of it all. But nobody knew about that because you had this beautiful exterior dress over top of everything. So all the tweaks and things going on underneath were hidden. But now, hardly anything's hidden. We now are so open to all ideas that go from that extreme where people actually are wearing quite full-on underwear to shape themselves. To today, where it's not unusual to see women wearing a lace or sports-style bra with cut-off denim shorts at a music festival, for instance. So the rules have changed, but... You have these codes of practice, so you might not be able to wear that at work, but you could wear it in your own time when you're you know, maybe going to a party. So I guess there are still sort of almost unspoken codes of dress that, generally speaking, we all adhere to. In the past, revealing your underwear was seen as overly suggestive and provocative. I think back to Madonna in the early stages of her career, with lacy brows peeking up beneath netted crop tops. Now, this is well before she donned that Jean-Paul Gaultier conical bra corset. Today, lingerie is designed to be seen. And I'm not talking here about showing your flesh-coloured undies, OK? These are four wonderful garments by Versace, and they were given to us by his brother uh, when he came to see our Versace exhibition in 2001. He was so happy with how Tapapa displayed his brother's work that he actually gifted us these four garments. And the one in the middle here is this gorgeous apple green silk evening dress and what's interesting about it is it takes the look of women's lingerie and nightwear turns it into into an evening dress 
replete with lace panels that look like they come from a petticoat or a slip. It flares out at the bottom. It's very strappy up the top. It shows the whole back. Bra cups for the for the bodice. Mm. So it does really look like a piece of lingerie. But this is outerwear. This was actually made in 94. He did this look and the Liz Hurley safety pin dress look. And she wears it, of course, to the premiere of Four Weddings and a Funeral. Which caused a massive fuss. How much do you reveal? How much do you hide? When you start to show flesh... You know, how tantalising are you? You know, how provocative are you? And that's because it challenged prescribed rules and norms around decency and femininity. Once you have celebrities and famous models wear these garments, they start to become normalised. It filters into general fashion, and then people start to show their bra straps. And you, you might have people that are concerned about this, that... Um, push back but in general you start to have that flow and effect where everything starts to relax sport the fact that our public and private lives are so blurred now we we share a lot of space together when we're actually wearing not much clothing we're all quite relaxed I think now about being in shared changing spaces and we're showing a lot more of ourselves we want to participate in fashion but we don't want to get too uptight about whether or not our bodies match the fashion And if that means wearing your underwear as outerwear because it affords you some freedom and some kind of feminine empowerment, then so be it. But moving on. I was keen to get the inside word on the lingerie industry today. And one Kiwi who has her finger on the international pulse, designer Chloe Julian. Kim Kardashian wore a slip that I designed on the red carpet and it was sort of like four in the bedroom. It has been in the laundry industry where you're sort of designing something that that could kind of go either way. And I guess it just depends on how brave the person is, whether they take it that far or not. Now, Chloe's used to seeing her designs grace a cover of fashion magazines being worn by celebrities, but her career started in little old Wellington. She transitioned from a biomedical science degree to studying fashion at Massey University. And from there, opportunities continued to fall into her lap. Straight out of school, she landed a job at Bendon and was involved in designing the Hey Sister range. Bendon actually reached out to the university saying, you know, we're going to employ four graduates. Um, can you recommend anyone? My tutors approached me and because they employed sort of four of us at the same time, they really focused on sort of passing on all their knowledge to us and training us up. And we were really like designing. We were doing our own patterns. We had the luxury of a sample room, which we worked with the machinists there. Um, to like get our first prototypes correct before they actually went to China. So it was a really great environment to sort of learn in. And I guess you don't really realise at the time, but once you become sort of specialised in an area, your path continues along that way. It's really amazing, actually, because you don't get those kinds of opportunities today. That's sort of been what's happened throughout my career. <laughs> Things have just sort of turned up at the right time. Chloe has worked for international brands Agent Provocateur, Stella McCartney, and one recent opportunity that came knocking was designing the launch collection of Rihanna's new label. Savage X Fenty is the name of the brand, yeah, by Rihanna. So that took a year in the making. That was another strange situation. Previously I'd been at um, Agent Provocateur for about five and a half years, and I'd been living in London for over ten years. And you know, I'd actually been out back here for a few months and was doing actually a small stint as a bridal designer. And then I got approached by this American company who had already begun working on this line that they wanted to launch with Rihanna, but she at that point wasn't quite happy with how things were going. And so long story short, 
Rihanna headhunted Chloe, and she was asked to be... The vice president for this brand, which means have full design control. Which you would think would be a dream for any designer. So I was very tempted. They wanted me to move to LA, and we went out there, and it was a massive opportunity, but I have to trust my gut and my instinct, and I felt that, you know, I'd moved back to New Zealand for a reason, and this is where I needed to be and where I wanted to stay. But as it turns out, turning down opportunities can play to your advantage. Well, especially if you're as talented as Chloe. And they came back to me 30 minutes later and just said, well, can you just do it from New Zealand? And I was like, OK. I had a whole team in LA that I managed. I was going there every month. Um, on top of that, I also had to meet with Rihanna regularly. Whilst I was designing everything, she had to sign everything off. In terms of that working relationship, how would you describe that? I was employed because she had seen work I'd done at Agent Provocateur. There was you know, already that trust that she was happy with the concepts I was coming up with, so I found it quite an easy relationship. And I have worked with celebrities a few times throughout my career. I'm not really uncomfortable with that situation, and I think it's partly just my New Zealand attitude as well. At that point when I joined, it was around July, and they wanted to launch this collection in March. In laundry anyway, the timeline just for a collection is a year. The production time is so much longer because you could have up to 22 sizes that you've got to make as opposed to clothing where you might have three or five sizes. So when I came on, it was sort of less than a year and I was like, this is crazy. Even in a brand that's established, you would allow a year. I had to sort of come up with what the brand was going to look like in terms of what shapes we wanted and you know how we wanted it to sit on the body. We, they also wanted to launch both what they call in the States is Missy and um, Curvy, a fully size-inclusive line, which no other brands actually do them as one, one line. Most brands would have like a, two different separate brands that do those two different categories. Did you feel intense pressure working on that? Yeah, I mean, actually in the end we launched two months later in um, May, which was still, you know, a tight time. It was hard. It was, you know, it was a new team. It was a new brand. There was no infrastructure in place to support it because this company had not done laundry before. You know, I was sort of here. I was managing a team in L.A. I was meeting Rihanna, who was sort of based between New York and London at the time. I was going to Asia to check all the samples. And I have a, have a child. <laughs> it definitely took its toll. I mean, would you say that it was they pulled it off successfully as a whole? I mean, I think with any brand, you it's hard for the you know to for you to know who your customer is until you actually launch it. Every company I've worked in, almost every season, there can be like a slight pivot on what the brand's trying to achieve or who they're trying to reach. So you can never really know what what the customers are going to be like. Like sometimes, what might be my favourite might not be what sells the best and you're always surprised. You've basically gotten that whole brand off the ground. How hard is it for new brands to actually enter the lingerie and sleepwear market? I mean, it's a pretty small category and there are, you know, a handful of, like, big players that do dominate, you know, like the Victoria's Secret. They've got a long way to go, I think, to maintain their sort of hold they've had on the industry for so long. But what is the most difficult, I guess, if you're a new brand is the fact that you have so many sizes to deal with. So, you know, in a bra, I think we launched with something like 22 sizes. So that's, you know, a lot of pattern work and a lot of development that has to be done to grade all those sizes and fit them. You know, and then if you have a minimum per size on, like, manufacturing, suddenly you've actually got to get your volumes, you know, quite high. Whereas, say, if you're doing a T-shirt and you just did two sizes and your runs could be so much less. And then also the components, you know, sometimes a bra could have, like, 20 pieces in it. 
and that could be spread over like eight different materials. And that's why it's so expensive to buy lingerie. There's so much research and fabric that goes into getting the design and fit perfect. Asian Provocateur, we're using French lace. It's 12 weeks lead time just to get your lace into the factory. And one of our main lace suppliers, best customer was um, uh, Chanel, and then it was Dolce & Gabbana, and then... Agent Provocateur was always sort of swapping third places with Valentino. So, like, if we were using a similar a lace that came from the same loom, because these looms are quite rare these days, well, there if someone Chanel was on the loom first, then now twelve weeks now could become like eighteen weeks. <laughs> Sometimes it's just actually the fact that it takes so long, or an embroidery to get the materials into the factory that cuts out what we get in terms of creative time at the beginning. So, I think if you're starting off as a new brand, I guess you have to choose like you know, how big your offering's going to be. And then a lot of brands then get criticised for not, or we're not offering enough sizes or you're not offering, it's like, well, yeah, but you sometimes just physically can't. You know, I was working for like a really big company and there was a lot of money behind it. And, you know, obviously there's the celebrity attachment, which changes things anyway. Even then when we launched, there were some sizes that we couldn't physically get to in time. We went to a double D and we were planning to offer a triple D wow. in the next season. But it was even then at the launch, we got criticised for not offering the triple D. And it's like... <laughs> you just can't do everything at once. Yeah, because you can't just be like, oh, that's a little bit loose there and we can get away with it. It's not fitting and it's over. It's not selling. But there are lots of opportunities when launching a new brand. And Savage X Fenty is all about being inclusive, which is super important in this consumer landscape. I mean, there's a huge push to not sort of portray one type of woman in body type. And I think some of the older brands are really struggling to sort of get their heads around that and change it. And, it. and if they don't, then I think our consumer today, you know, they expect it. You need to show, like, your customers that you are modern and that you can cater for everyone. I feel really conscious now I need to be part of something that makes young girls feel good about themselves because they're so bombarded with some idea of perfectionism. I mean, when I looked at the website, I was just like, you know, the designs are really fresh, it's playful and sexy, but it's not just one thing. And I think that's, it must be really hard to get that balance right. What was your brief? Um, I didn't have one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes but, it harder, doesn't it? We didn't even really have a merch plan. Like, until this brand launched, there were still changes happening every day in what we were doing. I mean, it was, it was super stressful. <laughs> I hadn't really worked for an American company before, so... And an America core product is sort of like your padded bras. And they were like, you know, this is the main part of the business. And I was like, oh, well, that's not me. That's not my experience. From what's historically been the case, there was this balance in the line. And actually, once it launched, everyone was more drawn to the fashion and the core wasn't so popular. So it kind of tells me that even the American industry is really changing to a more maybe European way of looking at it, where you don't have to just wear like a beige or nude padded bra. You can sort of wear anything. Now, today, underwear isn't all about functionality, as you might guess. It plays a vital role in women's wardrobes. So what are the rules to wearing lingerie? How much should we or shouldn't we show? We're not pretending we're not wearing something. So I always design something as if you'd want someone to see it. Even when I was getting dressed this morning, I like 
thought, oh, this dress isn't actually working with my bra, so I have to change my dress, not my bra. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought about it and I was like, oh, that's quite funny because I guess most people would think the other way. What would you say the trends are in lingerie at the moment? I feel like there's a lot of like free the nipple mentality of like actually you don't even have to wear a bra coming in, which I think is good. There's definitely more a move, I think, towards a, a bralette or a soft cup, so like a non-wired type structure. I think people just want to feel... Free. Yeah, more free, you know, a more natural look as a opposed to like a look where you're like pushed up and pushed in. <laughs> but, but can a big busted woman get away with, with, you know, without much padding and the underwire? I mean, I don't have that problem, so I don't know. But <laughs> how do you deal with the technicality of making a style without the padding and without the wire work for someone who has a fuller bust? And we actually in the line do do a lot of um, bralettes that go up to like a 3X and a 4X. It's about you know, partly the materials you're using, you just have to make sure you have something that's quite supportive. And you might just have like an extra layer of like a, a supportive lining if you still want to use quite a delicate lace or an embroidery. I hadn't really worked a lot on um, sort of the um, curvy lingerie before, but I really enjoyed it actually. Cheeky little question, but what are your thoughts on the VPL? Oh, I love a VPL. Do you? I just think it's weird that people should think that they have to pretend like you're not wearing something, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like we all know we're wearing underwear. Sometimes if you're wearing like a white dress and you're wearing black underwear, like I think it looks quite good. I feel like if you're thinking about it and you're worried about it, it means you're more dressing for someone else than you're dressing for yourself. The thing is too now is that, you know, fuller bottoms are a thing. It's made me feel more self-conscious about the whole VPL thing. I'm just like, no lines can show. It's like, you know, even under jeans, I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I'm having a bottom crisis at the moment. Okay, so now you know. Sort of interesting, too, with the, the kind of rise in waistlines of oh, jeans yeah, and, the and things line. like that. Yeah, mm. and that everything, too, like with underwear, it mm. also starts to conform to the trends in, like, waistlines. and Yeah, and also, like, the kind of real hipster line was, like, yeah. kind of even five years ago, you'd kind of wear everything really low, and now, actually, it's about sort of having a little bit more, like, shaping of your hips. But I think that's come as part of the fact that we're celebrating women being more curvy. I think that whole boy short, low hipster thing was about this really straight body that not a lot of people have. So I actually feel like now that we've raised those leg lines and the waist lines and it is a more of a curved silhouette that it's because we're actually celebrating that people are genuinely more curvy. Just lastly, you are a mother, you've got an amazing career. I mean, what, what have your keys been to addressing that balance of motherhood and still, you know, loving your career in the fashion industry? Someone asked me that a while ago and I said, I don't really feel like I'm doing it. Uh, I'm not doing it well, but um, definitely difficult. I guess I was sort of in a more extreme situation. I was doing a job where I was working overseas and travelling. And, you know, in the past year and a half, I hadn't spent more than three weeks at home. 15 months, I'd done 17 return long-haul flights. Mm. So I was a bit of a wreck by then. You know, I've sort of stepped back now that I've launched Savage X Fenty and I'm basically sort of just finished at the end of last year and I'm now I'm like devoting myself to like being present for my family and kind of recovering I guess uh, I mean it's hard like you just sometimes you just feel like you're not doing anything well you're, you're not being a good manager for your team you're not being a good mom you're not being a good partner but I just try my best. Do you have uh, any thoughts about launching your own brand? I have an idea that I'm about to start working on. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I always felt if I did my own thing, it had to have kind of a purpose. I think I've sort of found that. I've worked on a lot of brands now and I've learned a lot, and especially this last brand that I worked on, I, you know, I learned a huge amount about 
not only launching a brand, but about myself and what I was capable of. Yeah, I think this is what the idea I've got. I think it will be a good one. That was lingerie designer Chloe Julian. And earlier, you heard Stephanie Gibson from Te Papa. And I'm your host, Sonia Sly, and you've been listening to My Heels Are Killing Me. If you want to go back through the archive, head to rnz.co.nz or to Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you get your podcasts. We have one last episode, and I know we looked at women's lingerie this time, but next week we're looking at the Y front. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.